to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain, why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? It's just like a story chest of ideas. Either version, I love both versions. Welcome to another episode of the Peach and Black Podcast. We've got player, no uh, doubt. <laughs> Captain, and Toe Jam with us again. Yo. So, um, good to have you guys here, and today we're going to be reviewing 3121, the album by Prince, came out in 2006. On to Woo. today's album, 3121. Before we get into a uh, track-by-track analysis and discussion, I thought I might just put it out there and um, get everyone's thoughts on maybe some pre-hype opinions, expectations for this album and all those sorts of wonderful things, mainly from the point of view of that there was supposed to be a big uh, marketing campaign and promotion behind this particular release, and as far as I know, not much of that occurred. It was fairly minimal, so um, what did you guys think about all that? I guess that's, that's how popular it was. (laughs) <laughs> that resembles the marketing campaign. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, um, if you ever need to test something by an audience reaction, I think that one, <laughs> that'd be good. Well, I'll jump in because you remember, I think it was March or April in 2005 when they had the um, NAACP awards and that's when he, that's when we first saw the 3121 logo on the back of his shirt. Yeah. And so, you know, everyone was pumped. Oh, the albums must be coming out in a few months this summer kind of thing. And yeah, it didn't come up for over a year later but um, I've got a theory on that because I think it was September, October when they had um, Hurricane Katrina I have a suspicion nothing founded but um, I think the album was meant to come out then but he held it back because of that that's just a theory of mine I've got no not the best time to release a new uh, I think he held it back for that reason because up to then it was kind of oh the album's coming out this year it does seem a bit odd to wait a year after having that initial promotion yeah and the first song that was made known to the public was at those awards it was Satisfied wasn't it yep that's right yeah Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the only one he previewed so I remember going on to uh, the MPG music club and and listening to that song and thinking this is uh, at first I was really it took me aback when I first heard that version of of Satisfied I thought this is a it sounded like a, a new direction a little bit kind of jazzy and, and really soulful, but it wasn't indicative of, of the entire album as we now know, so well, that was a little bit interesting. What, what I was kind of referring to was, was the supposed promotion and, and marketing behind the album, not only about, uh, you know, by the record company, but supposedly, and again, this, this is all a rumor because obviously nothing occurred, so I don't know how factual this all is, but there was supposed to be a huge heap of television appearances, um, huge international promotion something more along the lines of some some you know live gigs right after the album's release and all those sorts of things and i think it was supposed to kind of hit us all at one go and that that didn't happen the the album came out in march 2006 with not a lot of hype no gigs that i remember right after its release so it kind of uh, kind of dwindled and, and then i think fell off the charts from memory so which is unfortunate because i'm a big fan of this album for the most part i think what happened was he he focused as soon as he dropped the album, he focused on promoting the Tamar project. So he sort of went into the background as her guitar player and was really sort of pushing her forward. And the sort of 3121 project became like a side thing for him. So I don't know if that was affecting it or 
a white bit. Yeah. I think yeah. compared to other albums, he actually promoted it a lot more. Like he did um, Saturday Night Live. He did the Brits. Uh, he did um, Good Morning America. Like he did, he did do some high-profile events. I don't know. He, he did promote it, but it was just over a longer period of time than say like the two weeks of its first release, kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it, it actually we shouldn't um, dismiss its initial chart entry. As far as I remember, it was it was charted. Uh, as his highest ever album upon release, or the highest charting album, I think it, it went to number one it, it, almost immediately. Yep. Yeah, but it was only yeah, and it was only huge amount sold. Yeah, it was, but there was nothing else out at the time that was bigger. So, but he knocked off High School Musical, and that's <laughs> feat in itself. <laughs> oh. Yeah, other than High School Musical, I don't know what else was out there, but it, but it, I mean that's that's a big franchise. So I think the the strength of the musicology tour before that was a contributing factor to that. Yeah. So it's his first, it was his first number one since Batman. So yeah, there was definitely some anticipation because it had been like you know two years, so people were waiting for it. And there's always that anytime Prince releases a new album, and it's a little you know if he releases it nine to twelve months after the other one, then it's almost. It used to be expected. Now, when you when you wait for a year and a half, two years, or in this case, longer, um, a little bit longer than that, then I think a lot of the hardcore Prince fans, at least I know, I was really hyped up about it. I just couldn't wait to hear it. And sometimes when your anticipation levels are that high and you first hear something, you think, oh, this is the greatest thing. And then, you know, after a few weeks, you sort of go, well, this is still pretty good. And then you sort of, your opinion changes, but that, that happens all the time. But um, anyway, let's just head straight into it now. Going into track number one. Uh, which is namesake, same as the album title, 3121. Toe Jim, what are your thoughts on this one? I think we mentioned this when we did Indigo Nights, but this is definitely one of the best tracks of the last, say, 10 years. And I think the studio version is much better than the live version as well. What can you say? Michael B and Sonny T back again. Yeah, man. Awesome sounds. And I, I just love the, you know, the crazy guitar effects that are going on. He's got the, the Camille voice back, but it's um, slightly different. It's done through some sort of guitar pedal rather than slowing down the tape. But I just love all the craziness about it. It's such a unique Prince track. And uh, then you get that bridge with those crazy synth horns. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Amazing. It's amazing. And it, it's one of those tracks that every time you listen to it, you hear something new. You think, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't notice that before. Mm. So, yeah, it's... Uh, as I said, probably top three tracks of the last, say, since the year 2000, I guess, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What does everyone else think, uh, Captain? Uh, I like this song. I'll say listen to this album a lot in the last days because I've had so much free time. I've been playing Rollercoaster Tycoon a lot, and I've just been repeating this album. I've probably heard it at least 10 times, like, in the last couple of days. just goes over and over when I'm making roller coasters. so listen to it a lot, which I can't say I've done the other couple <laughs> but um nah this song it's it is it's a really it's a Prince song you listen to it and you know it's him he's got all this weird stuff going on and no one else does it like like he he's got sort of real voice back this song reminds me of Jam of the Year a bit uh, not so much but Life for the Party as well it's no don't really, say that <laughs> oh man it's, it's, yeah, a, it's a lot better than it's a lot better than Life of the Party but oh, it's like it's, miles ahead like a hundred times <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's a similar similar to Jam of the Year, as in the song is about uh, the song. The thirty one song seems to be about thirty one twenty one. Whatever that means. And Jam of yeah. the Year was about you know this song is the Jam of the Year. It's a song about the song. In whatever, whatever that makes sense. But um, I like the effects he's got on his voice. 
he's got the sort of Camille voice back and you got this the funky groove in the back which I think we said on Indigo was not that different from the days of the old groove going on this song's like future it's futuristic funk futuristic funk that's what I've got that in my notes stole Ooh. that <laughs> oh I stole it off someone else so <laughs> yeah, me too. it's a futuristic fantasy isn't it yeah. Yes, That's it right. is actually. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at the same time, it makes me think you got Michael B and Sunny. It could have been recorded in 1994, but it's a futuristic funk song, which could be like 15 years old. Well, it was actually recorded in 2004, as far as I know, yeah, and released two years later. So. Uh huh. And and by the way, sorry for jumping in, but uh, it was recorded in sometime in you know four with Sunny T and Michael B, and supposedly they also recorded further material that is going to see its release on Lotus Flower. Also, Sunny T and, and um, Michael B are going to be accompanying Prince on a few songs on Lotus Flower. Oh. So, five years ago from the same recording sessions, should be pretty interesting. We can only hope, because Michael B, Sunny T, Prince, that's that's the band. Yep. That's what I want to hear. Yep. Amen to that. Yep. But what are your but, thoughts, um, player? Yeah, look, I have to co-sign with you guys on all of these comments. The, the As far as I know, Michael B and Sonny T get together with Prince every couple of years and thrash out some uh, jam sessions and see what comes of it. And you can definitely tell. I think, you know, they may have started on like a Days of Wild type of funk and then it's just sort of evolved into this track. And yeah, just exactly the same as you guys, the, the effects on the voice, a little Camille-esque and... Um, you know, you've got all that funky stuff that's going all over over the place, and you know, it's it's a, a really good opener to to the start of the album. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. There's nothing much you can really say, but it's just I think this one except it's funky. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, he's thrown this on for the fans, like uh, musicology and stuff was sort of like a to my ears was like a throwback. You know, sort of him looking back on sort of earlier music and sort of being influenced by that, and then this he's sort of yeah. gone back into you know, what the fans like. So, he's sort of thrown this on there for us. Yeah, I've noticed that. Where musicology is more of looking back, this is more of where he is now mm. and maybe looking forward a bit as well. Yeah. But it's weird with musicology. We'll talk about that when we do that. But for how many years has he been saying, oh, I don't want to do those old songs. I don't want to do dwell in the past. It's all about the future. It's all about now. Mm. But musicology was a big throwback to the old stuff. So, it was a weird thing. Yeah. I'll just say, and 31, the song, for some reason, reminds me of right at a funky place. I don't know what it is. There's just it might be the, just the voice, but there's something about it. I get that song in my head. It, it, it could be. It could be that they're both jams. Fun, they're both they're funk jams. Fun. Yeah. yeah, they are too funky. This is the best track on the album for me by far. This is just the kind of thing where you turn this on, and uh, I always sort of compared to other people that I listen to, and I got a big grin on my face now because when I first heard this, I was like, oh, he is <laughs> he's on something here. He's like on the funk. He's you know he's really feeling it, and I, I would love to be at those sessions where you got Michael B on the drums, Sunny T on the bass, and Prince walks into the studio and just says, all right, let's try this out, and they come up with something like this. Mm. Oh, <laughs> just unbelievable! This is an amazing opener. It, it sets the scene, you know, quirky lyrics, uh, I love the steady beat. The groove makes this. I just think that the drums and bass just make this song and everything on top of that, all the layers and everything, outstanding. I like, there's a part in the song where um, Prince comes in and he starts sort of, not strumming, but he's he's sort of, he starts strumming up some notes and then, yeah. and, and then sort of pauses and then starts up with a guitar solo and that is sick. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good little guitar solo. Yeah, that is insane. And it's so cool. It's funky. The, the Camille vocal, the thing that's really interesting and that I love about this song is he didn't come out and, and do straight Camille. Yeah, it's you a know? bit different. He, it is, it, yeah, 
it's very different from the point of view of vocal delivery because he's still singing in in his natural range and natural voice, but he's got the Camille in the background. It's a yeah, ju- yeah exactly. It's, it's a, a duet with Camille, which is <laughs> unreal. Like I, I just treasure this song. I'm so happy to have it on this album and to have it released. It's, it's just awesome. And you know, it opens up. With, it sounds like it, you're either opening the door or opening, you know, the gates to the to the album or to the mansion or whatever it is. The vocal effects in the background. I've got a lot of notes about this because I just love it. It's the best song of the of this album. So I'm just gonna quickly <laughs> run through how much you know the, the reasons why I love it so much. The procession of um, of the keyboard notes are just it's just awesome, and, and all these little quirks, bells and whistles, and exactly what Toe Jam said. Every time you listen to it, you find something new or you hear something that you didn't hear before. This this track is insane. It's just ridiculous. So uh, I co-sign on every you know what everyone has said, but I could just listen to this on repeat. It's that good. It's and live it kicks ass. So not much more to say about that. Can I just add one more thing yeah. on a musical level? It's actually quite interesting harmonically because you've got the bass, which is sort of bending on notes two to the minor third, and then the melody is bending from the minor third to the major third, and so it's you get this real clash kind of sound. But and it makes you want to itch, but it's just so damn funky. It's it's just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I can I can hear that definitely. There's a yeah. there's like a real clash between the two the, and the minor third and the major third, just sort of in the middle there. And it's they meet. It's where they're yeah. where the notes meet. Yeah, and the bass as well. Like you get the the, the main um, chord of the note is coming in on like halfway through beats one and two. That that one. Don't do that to me. Oh, no, I love it too much. <laughs> but that's the thing, that's... he can do all this complex stuff, but it just sounds so simple and so natural. That's what's amazing about it. Yeah. You know what else you know what else with these three guys? I think they sort of share a certain telepathy between the three of them. That you know it's an unspoken thing that they just know how to fit in with each other and they just come up with it. It's mm-hmm. you know it's really good how they sort of got that chemistry going. Yeah well they play together for a long time but they've got some good chemistry there yeah he's always liked his dissonant guitar sounds and often mm. he uses like them could, well if you programmed all of this music into like a midi thing that just played you know the exact sort of tones it would just sound like a mess but he just bends it perfectly that it just all works it's almost as if going back to what you were saying it as if it shouldn't work, but it doesn't. Like from a traditional standpoint, yeah, it shouldn't work, but it yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, all the it, it's not all on the one, so to speak. I, I can kind of hear that, and somehow it just comes off. But I, the bass is so popping. I thought I was going to finish talking about this track, and you bring me around to it again because I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't take my hands off it. It's just ridiculous. The bass is just so, and it's not overly technical. The bass playing, actually, it's not technical at all, really. But it just sounds so good. If you ever listen to, um, like, compare this to, like, Lenny Kravitz, Are You Going My Way? Very simple drums and very simple bass. And it, it's not an ideal comparison because one's a funk track and one's more rock. But it's kind of like, um, you know, when you, when you get the, the bass and the drums of a song exactly right and just sounding perfect, mm. then everything else you do with it, you just can't, you can't ruin it. It's one of these, you just can't ruin this song once you get that right. And Sonny T and Michael B are just animals, mm. animals on this song. And I love how Sonny... Not the outro, but towards the end of the track, how he finishes that up with the bass. Something like that. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. He's basically just playing like power chords kind of thing, but then you get, you're right, you get this sort of pop like over the top of it. Just like the really subtle stuff. It's just, that's what I mean when you, you know, you hear it and you hear all this other stuff every time you hear it. I'm sure I could do a whole show about Sonny and Michael B. Oh, yeah. And we should. And we will. The power trio. Yep. Can't believe it. 
I can't believe how good these guys are <laughs> when they when they play together. It's just ridiculous. I'm worn out after just talking about thirty-one twenty-one. <laughs> okay, that's all, folks. <laughs> yeah, for uh, sure. One this week. Well, we did say we're reviewing thirty-one twenty-one, and we just did, so we might as well finish <laughs> up. Things do change up, as with any Prince album. Track two is definitely different from this. It's called uh, Lolita. Look out. Lolita, you're sweeter, but you never make a cheater out of me. Watch out now. What do you guys think of this? I'll go in reverse. Captain, what are your thoughts? Oh, after 3121. Yeah, it can only be downhill after 3120. <laughs> it's not fair, is it? Yeah, he should have just left it as one single with no B side, with nothing after it. Can't follow it. But um, it's really 80s style. you got all the synthesizers and it's sort of dancey and it's got the, all the instrumentation. It's got some interesting lyrics. Some of them are rubbish. Some of them are interesting. But yeah, it's a real junk. To, to his 80s stuff with all the synth stuff and then you got the bit at the end where the call and response like you might as well get the time back to that yeah this song reminds me of Soft and Wet it's really similar the synth stuff I've got to say this I read a review of this someone who said I can't remember who it was sounds like the love child of Pussy Control and to the nines <laughs> I don't I don't know at all but I thought that was just such a great quote <laughs> I just thought that was how do people had, how do people come up with this stuff? I don't I understand. No idea. It's crazy. It, it's it's the soft and wet for two thousand and six, and it works. It's, it's what what do we say on the other one? It's what do we say? Bubblegum pop. Yeah, it's bubblegum, but it's more pop. It fits in that, I think. Yeah. What, what do you think, player? Yeah, I, I agree with um, Captain with the um, update of soft and wet. That, when I first came across it, was online and people talking about it, and that's how they compared it. When I first heard it, I, as always, put on the headphones and checked it out. I was blown away about not the song really itself, but the level of production on the, the keyboards. So it's just like they're so breathy and they sort of, you know, they hit and then they sort of reverb off that. And I was kind of amazed with all that sort of stuff. And I like that, like the instrumentation of it. The song itself is a bit, you know, how's it going? Um, <laughs> but but also, it's, a, it's a jam. It's a summer jam, you know. So. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, also, to agree with Captain, at the end, how he's got that column response with the fellas. It, you know, it sounds like the Time's Cool or Skillet or something like that where, yeah. you know, I thought this would be good, something that Morris Day could do. But yeah, I, I don't know what sort of message he's sort of getting across. How he, I, I don't know if he's getting a legion of little girls sort of chasing after him and he's telling them... You're, you're much too young to peep my stash. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> and writing checks your body can't cash. I love that. Uh, what a good line, huh? Yeah, that's I, a good like line. I, I also like the way he sort of delivers the vocals too, how it sort of is, is all on the beat as well. You know, it sort of follows the rhythm of the song. So mm-hmm. it's a good attempt. It's nothing groundbreaking or anything, but it's a killer song. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely dig everything that everyone's mentioned about it. I like the um, the effect of having electronic over acoustic drums in, in portions of this of this track. At least that's what I hear. Um, the synth- synthesizers are really fresh sounding, really full. Not only are they on point, but when you, especially when you listen to something like this on earphones, it really hits you really, really nicely. So I like that. I had I have here in my notes. Sounds like a modern time song. The the rhythm guitar is um, slickly funky. That's what I've got here because it's really simple and slick, but it's still funky. And I'm, I'm always impressed whenever Prince mashes up or creates some new beats and he puts a little bit of funk guitar on it. It always sounds funky. I very rarely, if ever, have ever heard him his rhythm playing not sound. It's as if he can't escape the funk. It just he doesn't. He can just repeat. He can play the same chord in repetition or, or the same 
projecting a certain chords a certain way, and it just comes across so so damn funky. And and this this song has it. It's nothing groundbreaking. I agree with that. I like the call and response. It's fun. It's it's cool. It's sexy, but mature to a degree. It's a nice little track. Tojan, what do you think? Yeah, I pretty much agree with what everyone said. Um, again, it's very reminiscent of the time. It's a very simple song, but it's executed very well. It's one of those songs when you're in the mood, it it's really it really kicks. But when you're not in the mood, you just it's it's you can skip it quite easily. I find. Yeah, the chicken grease guitar is nice. I yeah, I pretty much agree with what everyone else has said on this one. It's it's a nice track, but again, following thirty one twenty one, it's always going to be a slight letdown. Like thirty one twenty one is definitely a five star track. This is maybe a three and a half star track. Yeah. But you know, when you're in the mood for it, that sort of light bubblegum pop song, it, it's great. I remember when I first heard. Lolita, I just thought, what is this crap? <laughs> There's a lot of people oh. that hate it. When you read it online, they're like, you know. Yeah. It's, um, but it's, it's grown on me. It's grown the more I've listened to it. But I remember when I first heard it, I thought it was total rubbish. It's, a, it, playful, it's a playful track. It's not, um, it's not a political, it's not resolution. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah. But um, the album changes up again. This is a very diverse album. It's, it's yeah, increasingly diverse, I guess, uh, Head into Te Amo Corazón. Te Amo Corazón. But he doesn't exactly pronounce it like that. I'll just hit this one off very quickly. When I heard this single, I heard the single release somewhere online by official sources. It was it was refreshing. I actually, I'll go ahead and say it. I really like this song. I think it's a great track. I think it's a risky release in the sense that to release this as a first single, for, for even for someone like Prince, was, was slightly risky because it's unlike anything he's ever officially released before in my mind. It's exotic. It's one of the best vocal deliveries on the album for many, many different reasons. I like the Latin vibe, the strings and the uh, natural synths. I don't know if then how do you get a natural synth, but he, sound, he makes the synths in the background sound very natural to me really nice the acoustic guitar it's just so much subtlety in this track i don't know if you guys i guess we'll hear if you guys agree with that or not but it's just so subtle and chilled out but musically very intricate and very interesting and like i said it's, it's unlike anything he's ever done it's um little trinklets little bits and pieces all over this song the lyrics are cool they're quite poetic and it's it's in a way sensual so to me this is a at least a four, if not a five-star track. Uh, I think it's that good. Uh, what do you think, player? I, I definitely agree with you. I know there's a lot of people that don't like this song, but I love this song. It's it's different for him. Uh, I don't know how to categorize it if, if you consider it like a Latin jazz, but I think it's it's sort of good how he's... He obviously, he sort of sat down and thought to write a ballad and how can I make this different from anything else I've done? And, you know, he's whacked out the uh, Spanish dictionary and come out with this. But it's, you know, just such a, like you said, like a chilled track. Like you could whack this on a, on a Sunday morning or, you know, have it on in the background in the cafe or go for a drive in the mountains and have this. And it's just really easy to sort of get into. I love the, the guitar solo and not only the solo itself, but the way he sort of treated the, the sound of it so it's not like a traditional acoustic guitar or a jazz guitar it's sort of you know he's throwing this effect on it so it sounds a little bit different i know a lot of people don't like this song and i I don't know why it's it's really sort of different for him and you know if if you think about any other artist 
trying to tackle something different, they probably, you know, get nominated for Grammys or whatever. When Prince seems to do it, it gets hated on. The other thing I agree with you, MC, is the, um, the being a risky choice for a first single. But it seems like in the last... 10 years or so his first singles have been slower songs or ballads and I, I really hate that because in the Warner Brothers days he used to come out with like two upbeat tracks and then usually the third song was the ballad and I think that sort of release works better where people can get interested in the project and then like you know bring it down to something a bit more settling but yeah yeah it could have something to do with the, his he's probably thinking long term I'm sure he's thinking long term. He's thinking about his career and, and what the type of artist he wants to be perceived as and remembered as. And um, while it's easy enough to do, um, oh, you know, it's like oh, it, it, easy enough to start off around the world in a day with, um, you know, the solo off on the end of Let's Go Crazy. And I think that says volumes for the type of mentality where he's coming from. So, you know, this could be a uh, master move in, in the... Um, in the overall chess game, so I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think he, he tries to consciously try to write things to be taken more seriously, but it, it doesn't seem to work for him. And I think that's a shame because, you know, he, he's really good at doing that sort of stuff, but it's largely slept on by and large. Yeah, this is the kind of song that people, I think, that, that, don't, that aren't into Prince by default might really pick up on, you know, because it wasn't a major hit, it wasn't released through certain channels. The kind of folk that would normally listen to to this sort of music won't pick up on it, and they might never ever hear it, which is yeah. just kind of a shame. I agree with that. One um, more thing: the the video for it, how he went all the way to Morocco to film it. He could have filmed this in the like in a Spanish villa in the Hollywood Hills. You wouldn't know because it just seems to be in like inside a house. Yeah, you know, I think it's good that he went sort of on location, so to speak, to do a video because he never really does that. He usually does studio things, but you know, what was the point of it? He could have done this in a built set. Yeah, you've got to believe in a song a certain to a certain degree to be able to do something like that. And I think, yeah. think not only in the song, but in this project. Tojem, what, what are your thoughts about this one? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, sometimes, like, I really like the song, but sometimes I wonder, am I only liking it because it's Prince? If this was anybody else, would I be listening to it? Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. It's one of those ones, again, when you're in the mood, when you're in that laid-back kind of mood, it's, it's beautiful. But sometimes... Again, I just think, am I only thinking it's good because um, is it's Prince? That's that's the thing. If this was any other sort of Latin jazz artist kind of thing, would I just listen to it once and dismiss it? Do you get that kind of um, that feeling or do you ask yourself that question with, with other Prince songs? Well, sometimes, but definitely this song, definitely. Because it's, it's, it's just so different from Prince that it does make you think that. Or well, maybe I'm just liking this because it's Prince, but like I don't hate the song. It is very subtle. I like the, you know, the soft horns in the background, the, the harp kind of sound going on. And yeah, just to comment on the video, I think, I think the video is really classy. And I think it's one of his better videos. Uh, it's, it's quite rare that he puts that amount of effort into a video. And so for that reason, it's nice to have. It is a good video. And well, it's also nice to hear um, Claire Fisher back on the strings. That was a oh, nice yeah. touch as well. Yeah, yeah, especially awesome. the beginning. You hear anything? Oh, it's, mm. you know, Mia Bocca or something. <laughs> it's crystal ball. <laughs> yeah. Well, this would probably fit on like Parade or something. Like, Easily. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. I, I don't want to get hated on because I just had a thought pop into my mind. But I'll, I'll reveal it anyway. It, I was about to say this song kicks some of the songs off Parade into Oblivion. But uh, that's, that's probably a, a too big of a statement that I'm going to that I'm going to stick to but this song is, is better than some of the material on that album I just I like it that much um, it's definitely a bit more polished than some of the parade stuff yeah it's very lush but yeah. that's what makes that's what makes parade so good is that it's not polished good point yeah. anyway we'll get to that later <laughs> Captain like Turjam I don't like it and I don't dislike it it's just a song on the album it's just a song <laughs> there we go I said it again 
You've, 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 you've coined it's that phrase. It's different from, but no, this isn't just a song. It's it's different from anything on the album. It's different from pretty different from anything he's done before in this type of song. That it's like a, it's got the Latin flavored tracks. It reminds me of like a, a James Bond theme song or something. I don't know, but it, it fits Prince as well, and it, it makes me think: Why did he do a, a, a Spanish song, even if it's only you know just the the title and the chorus? Is is this some sort of um, trying to get the Latin market, you know, to listen? to Prince well, is the, Renato the, pushing him I don't know I <laughs> think there's elements of that like scattered throughout the album um, yeah little Latin influences we'll get onto yeah. in some of the other songs. So it's definitely kind of a mini theme that's running through it. The year yeah, before th- that the album got released, he took a trip down to Panama and he was hanging out there and he was writing songs down there. So I think some that of those songs... <laughs> yeah, that too. So I think some of those songs have ended up on this album. So I think, but, you know, he gets into the whole flavor of the whole thing and sort of gets influenced by that and it's coming out like on tracks like this. But yeah, I mean, these three albums with Musicology, 3121 and Planet Earth, they've all got bits of this Latin stuff thrown in there. So he's, it's in his head. It's floating around in his head. But um, yeah, it's good to have Claire Fisher's back doing some stuff. And you were talking about the video and Tojan was saying how much work Prince put into this video. Salma Hayek directed this video. Yeah. She did a lot of work, I think, and he just sort of sat back and did what he was told, which was great. But yeah, I, don't, I, don't know if he, I don't know if he did what he was told, but... Well, she, he jumped in the pool. She told him to get in the pool and he dived in. Mm. Yep. That's kind of fun to watch. Like, Prince could have <laughs> easily just made one of his homemade videos where it's just him playing, you know, at Paisley Park kind of thing. And, you know, there's so many of those cheap videos that it's nice to see one that's actually put a bit more thought into. Yeah. yeah. If Selma Hayek told you to jump in the pool, would you do it? Only if she jumps in with me. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> well, maybe she did, but they didn't only if she time. Only if she jumps in first. That's in the, <laughs> and it's got to be a really cold night, too. That video's in the vault, don't it's worry. It's going to be freezing cold. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the other thing I noticed was only this. This is one of only two tracks on the whole album that has his current band. There's yeah, this song and, the, uh, and Get, on the, Get on the Boat. That's it. All the other stuff are old, which is interesting, I thought. Uh, I don't know if you can say old, maybe just, you know, his, o- his older. playing. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, track number four, Black Sweat, that's a one-man band production, so it just shows, you know, how much this album changes up. They're just just quickly before we go into that, I, I never really, finally enough, you know, you think of, okay, Tama Corazon's got some overt Latin influences, and there are other tra- other bits and pieces scattered around various tracks on this album that have Latin influences or a Latin flavor. And yet, when I think of this album, I think of it as a funky party type album, and and those are never, they're not the sorts of thoughts that I have up front or even, you know, anywhere in the vicinity whenever I think of this album. So I think that's also an interesting. It's almost as if it doesn't matter how much he branches out, unless he's going to make a full on Latino style album with 10 tracks that are, you know, that are going to reflect that sort of sound. He's always, in my mind, going to remain this kind of funky experimental pop artist regardless of where he branches out I, I don't think it's enough to take him down another road he's sort of dabbled in it and he's not uh who knows but it doesn't look like he's going to be returning for any kind of more you know more concrete developments on on that front i don't know it's just a thought i had but, can anyone um, remember the first time he f- threw that latin stuff into his work i've got in my head the purple medley single is there something on that it's like, I think there's a piano thing at the end of one of them. Yeah. No, that's a while ago. That's like 93. Not a lot. I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything before 3121 that has any kind of tangible Latin flavor. But, no, I've, just, uh, I've just got purple medley in my head for some reason when that when I think of that. Yeah, well... Um, but but who listened to that in like 10 years? 
<laughs> uh, that's not something that I think anyone will be saying about this album, although I could be wrong, but it goes into <laughs> Black Sweat, another single release. Black Sweat. I just, I think I love the, the title more so than I do this track, not to, not to say that it's a bad track, but it's just, it's kind of ballsy, you know, black, filthy, dirty sweat, the kind of sweat that you get from listening to too much funk music, that's what it is, <laughs> at least that's the way I read it. What do you think about this, Captain? I first heard this, I know someone who was over in the States and they went to the concert. And <laughs> I, thought you're about to, I thought you were about to say you know someone that sweats black. <laughs> and somehow I managed to hear the song a couple of days later from the concert he was at. I don't know how that happened. But it was, but it was just him and an acoustic guitar, and it was excellent. Mm. And I heard it, another version as well, which was just him on guitar. And then when this, when the album came out, it was so different from like the acoustic guitar version that I'd heard. I didn't like this version on the album. It's just so different. But now that I've listened to the album version a whole bunch of times... I like it as well, but I remember when I first heard it, I didn't like the album version because I was used to the acoustic one at a concert. It was good, but it's you know it's the return of the minimalist funk that he's good at, and it's but it's, 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 it's up it's updated, isn't it? Oh, it's updated. It's it's still your futuristic funk as well. It's his futuristic minimalist funk, <laughs> and it's pretty similar to Kiss, the vocals, the falsetto and stuff like that. But it's it's darker and it's it's sexier, it's dirtier. It's black sweat. <laughs> and a whole bunch of reviews I read about this album, they all said, especially about this song, every, it was similar to Neptune's. And I've got no idea what Neptune's is. Maybe Player does. Yeah. yeah. I don't know who Neptune's is, but Neptune's so many is, people said... Ne- ne- Neptune's is, um, you know, Pharrell Williams, uh, nerd. Pharrell, ah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's, when, when he came onto the scene, they were a production group called the Neptune's. So, you know, they were doing remixes and production for hip-hop and, you know, pop artists like Britney and stuff under the, the banner of Neptune's. And then once they sort of became bigger and more well-known, then they sort of broke out as Nerd, Nerd was like a rock version of that. And oh. then Pharrell was doing like a solo thing. So they're more recognized now as... Pharrell Williams and all that, but originally they were under the um, production banner of called the Neptunes. So they, they sort of m- modeled their sound off like the original Prince sound. It was very minimalist. If you hear some of their stuff, if you go and s- listen to their production, it's very similar to this sort of black sweat sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. This song reminds me, like Lolita was the, the soft and wet. This is um, Hot Thing of 2006. Reminds me of that. But this song is another stupid quote I found on the internet. Someone said this might have been an outtake from Parade. I, I don't hear that at all. <laughs> I don't. I don't imagine this album being a Parade mm, at all. No. No. Even, no. Yeah, that's about all I got to say. <laughs> Tajem, what are your thoughts on this? Do you like the production? What, what do you think? Uh yeah, yeah. It's definitely. Yeah. It's, <laughs> well, I don't want to come out and say yeah, it's a great track. Um, well, why not? Just be honest. Speak from the heart. Yeah, this is the thing. The first time I heard this, my first thought was, oh, yeah, it's Prince trying to recapture that Kiss sort of production sound. And he does, like, the beat is there. I like the beat. But I remember the first couple of times I heard this, I just kept thinking, it's too short, it's too short, it needs to be longer, it needs to be longer. Surely there's an extended version. And it never came. So for that, I'm always like, ah, this this song could have been heaps better with an extended version. Um, like Kiss. Yeah, exactly. Something like that where it just goes off into this weird jam sort of tangent. But it's very short and concise. And the production, I really like the production. The lyrics are funny in the respect that I think a lot of people 
think he's talking about, you know, being black and black skin. But I've heard from a few different sources that he's actually talking about the sweat that comes down his head because he's got so much black hair dye in his hair that when he's on stage <laughs> dancing around, he gets this black sweat. <laughs> That's insane. And so, um, ever since I heard that reference, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've, I've heard a few times people say that. I think, yeah, that's what the song's about. That's it's so about, funny. It's about working up this sweat and having your black hair dye on, on your head. It's his eyeliner running. Good, yeah. This is the first time I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, man. This, yeah. this is a Peach and Black exclusive, I think. That's, <laughs> that's really not, interesting if he has, yeah. I never, even knew, I never even knew about the hair dye. Well, mm-hmm. I've only heard it, you know, I've only heard it from fans and that kind of thing, so I don't know how true it is, but... Yeah. <laughs> Don't name song, any names. I actually prefer the live version of this song to the studio version. Uh-huh. Uh, it's all about the bass, that's why. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The bass kicks in the in the live version, and also the synth solo when he um says, you know, screaming like a white lady. The synth solo in the live version is a lot better as well. Yeah, this is a four star track, but it's for me. I can't give it five because it's just a little too short. It needs to be longer, in my opinion. But it's it's a great track that does return to his minimalist funk roots. So yeah, four four out of five for me for this track. Mm. Okay. I kind of see the point of of the return. Uh, I I can definitely feel that. But it's as if he returned to his sound and then then updated it and then kind of altered it all all at the same time. When I first heard this, I thought, no. I just thought straight up, no, I don't like this much. It's kind of average. It's as if he's trying to reclaim his crown, you know. We hear this type of stuff you know, on the radio every day. That was that was my initial thought. And my, how's that, how has that changed? And, you know, am I saying this because it's Prince? No, I don't think so. I think going back to this song and looking at the production and the, just the beat making on its own, he really shows Pharrell, Timberland and all these modern beat makers how it's really done. Because I think they go minimal in comparison to a lot of the stuff that's out there, but even their stuff is not as minimal as this. This is beyond minimal. As a single release, there's, there's almost nothing here. It's just a miracle, you know, how he got this out and put this on this album from my point of view. But then again, it's Prince, and it's quirky and it's funky, and uh, I, I don't know if it's if it's the Moog synth or is it something else, but whatever it is, it's ultra cool. And I like the sweeping effect of that high-pitch noise. Yeah. At first, I didn't kind of feel that, but now I really, really like it. See, I and, prefer the live uh, version of that where it was more of a sort of standard synth sound other than this sort of dog whistle kind of sound. Yeah. <laughs> I like the video when that really high note on the synth comes in and there's some, and it, <laughs> some woman screaming. It's quite a good video, actually. I yeah, think all the videos cool. of this album are really good. Fury included. Oh, so. wait for that one. <laughs> uh, we'll get there. But um, yeah, Modern Day Kiss gets thrown around a lot. I can see the, a resemblance, but overall, I think this is a great track. I agree with the four-star rating. I'd almost be tempted, tempted to put it a little bit higher than that because um, it's just so minimalist and it's so it just grows on me every time I hear it. And it's funny. It's funny, Prince. Player, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, exactly the same as you guys. The first that I know of this being played was in the Chicago uh, Musicology acoustic set. Yep. And I thought when this turns up on an album, it's going to sound like say like the work part one that's sort of sort of james brown even with the title black sweat it's sort of reminiscent of a james brown thing so i thought mm. you know it's gonna have like lots of horns and that sort of carrying on from musicology and all that sort of stuff so i thought you know it's a good song but if it's gonna go down that james brown route again you're like he's sort of you know sort of done and played that out and then when i heard it on the album it was just like you know like erotic city or kiss you know done again just very minimalist the Lynn drum comes back. I think the hi-hat 
and all that's a bit too much on the treble side. It sort of um, sounds a bit scratchy, but... I was going to come in and say before, is there anybody that can program just a kick drum, open hi-hat, closed hi-hat, and a snare? Just those four. I, don't, I think Prince is by far the best person to program those four to make yeah. some kind of funky beat. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is a perfect example, yeah. I know in the lead-up to this album release, I think it was around about the time when Outkast and all those guys were sort of throwing back to sort of like an older-style Prince sound, and I think he's just sort of coming back and saying, this is how you do it, sort of thing. And also, too, just a comment on the video, it's, you know, very slickly, it, it looks very, if for the black and white, it looks really nice, um, lush. I like the facial expressions that he pulls in the <laughs> video. It's really funny. This video or single release came out the same week as his appearance on uh, Saturday Night Live. So, the first single was Tiamo and then it was this and then Fury came out. So, it was starting to build during this week. So, I was getting, like, by this time when this came out, I was getting really excited for the album. Yeah. The video definitely suits the song. It's totally minimal song, minimal video, black and white, and it's a perfect mix, I think. Yeah. This and is a minimalist video. There is, there's nothing in the background. It's just him. Yeah. The other thing is, I mean, my, my clubbing days are long gone, but, you know, I think if you threw this up in a club, in a hot club, hot and sweaty, and just grinding, I think this would, some would go off. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I think so too. But it, it probably didn't get the attention it deserved from that kind of crowd, I guess. Yeah, but just, just DJs didn't spin it. Yeah. Probably. Closing off this song and the drum, hi-hat, kick production, all that kind of stuff. Actually, the, the, there is no kick in this at all. How good is it? No, there is no, there is no snare in this song either. It's just hand claps. Yeah, there's no, there's no if kick. There's no snare. Noticed, there's no snare. No bass. Surely there's a kick drum. No. Oh, well, I think okay. it's just bass. When I say no, Actual I'm, I'm not entirely sure because I'm not listening to it at the moment. But <laughs> if there's no kick, there's no snare, and there's no bass, <laughs> that just, that just, that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, uh, that's what's minimalist. I'm about is. to start. <laughs> I'm about to start crying because it doesn't, as minimalist as it is, it doesn't come off that way. Like, it, it does, uh, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. It's that good. It, it's minimalist, but it sounds fuller than what a, what a minimalist song should sound yeah. like. Am I taking it too far? I mean, I think it's awesome. And the, the, the production, okay, going back to what Tojam said, the, the production is awesome. And I think the, the way that he programmed, you know, going back to something like Ballad of Dorothy Parker. Mm-hmm. Insane, absolutely amazing. It's called the Midas Touch, and this guy has it. So, uh, but anyway, moving from Black Sweat on to, I could say, typical R&B track, Incense and Candles. Anyone want to have a stab at that? Maybe I'll give it to Captain once again. Oh, yeah, I'll go first because I haven't got much to say about it. Oh, good. This, this, this for me goes as just a song. As I said about Planet Earth and what I think of R&B, um, <laughs> this is your very typical R&B song. And the only thing really interesting about it is he uses a vocoder, which he hasn't done much of before. But it's a weird song. It's like a seductive song. And he's battling his urge to sing about sex without singing about sex. And it's it's sort of a duet with um, Tamar, but she's pretty much in the background now. And then he decides to rap at the end of it. So rap, really rap? I don't. Oh, you know, yeah. pseudo sort of rap. Pseudo rap. Come on, yeah, yeah. I don't mind it. It's it's a song that gets in my head though, even though I don't really like it. When I've been just playing this album over and over, this song sticks in my head, even though I don't really like it. So I suppose that means it's not that bad a song. If we're going to give it, you know, out of five stars, I'd probably say three and a half. Still quite a high score. 
Yeah. <laughs> for me, for an R&B song, that's a damn good score. <laughs> but, yep, that's it. Okay. Toe Jam, what are your thoughts following up on that? Yeah, this is another interesting one. You know, the first, a lot of people completely dismiss this as just being some rubbish R&B song, but it's actually, there's actually a lot more in here than a lot of people give it credit for, I think. The only thing that lets it down for me are the lyrics and his, you know, rambling on about his rims upon his ride and all this kind of thing. But again, I really like the production of this song. And for me, it really hit me when you hear those bell chimes towards the end going, dun, 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 that kind of thing. Just those little, little sound effects like that. You know, it's an interesting kind of beat. It's a very, it's almost very unprince like this one because it's it almost sounds like a sort of Beyonce kind of you know Egyptian kind of track, but there's more going on in it than that. So it's a three and a half star from me as well on this one. The main thing that lets it down are the lyrics, in my opinion. But it's it's an interesting one. It's a, it's it's quirky, which is good. Yeah, player. I think that this song sort of fits the the theme of the album because like 3121 is sort of like the address of his house and then this is track is like, you know, come into my room of incense and candles. So he's sort of inviting you into his house and, you know, check this out sort of thing. I like the way the beat is sort of hypnotic, but then I don't like it when he starts into the rap, how the beat changes up. It sort of sounds like a Dirty South hip hop track. And I, I can't stand that. And I don't like the lyrics of what he's rapping about, how he wants to smother you with something shiny as the rims and ponies right. I mean, you know, <laughs> honestly, that's, you know, this is getting into Mr. Goodnight kind of rap. <laughs> and given the props to, to to your mother or something like this, I can't remember. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Or to your mother. <laughs> <laughs> incense, and, rice, incense and candles and um, Mr. Goodnight. What a perfect pair they w- that would make. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the extended remix. Driving off into the sunset together. That'd oh. be. Yeah. <laughs> we can only hope on the next tour he does like a, a medley of those two songs. Oh, it'll yeah. be great. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you he won't play these live. He'll just play them indoors. <laughs> he, yeah. yeah, he probably plays these to himself and his, whoever the lucky lady of choice is. Uh, the other thing was this was probably the first track he started to get heat with the auto-tune, use of the auto-tune. It's sort of subtle in his voice. It's not as strong as a vocoder. Like, he's not coming across as, you know, Roger Troutman on the track, which, you know, I think... You know, if he was going to use that sort of effect, he should go all out and, and do it like a Roger Tramont type of thing. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the kind of heat he was getting from this song and the use of the auto-tune that he's using it again in the upcoming MPLS sound record. So, I think it's a daring move, especially the sort of uh, reception he got from this track alone in using it. I'm not going to give it out of a, a five thing because I don't know if it's worthy of a thing. I mean, it's a good track, but, you know, it's not something that I'm going to listen to all the time in and out. Yeah, it's interesting. It might be one of those songs, depending on your, on the mood as well. I don't know. Uh, su- seductiveness via technology is what I've got in inverted commas because it's kind of it's kind of seductive, but not in a soulful slow jam kind of way, and also not in a commercialized top forty R and B kind of way either. It's somewhere in the middle for me. It's a modern bedroom ballad, but then it's got that pseudo. If you call it rap towards the end, it's bare bones R&B, but then it isn't. It's got all these bells and whistles. It's a really difficult song for me to review. I'll be honest with everyone. I don't think I'm at the stage where I can conclusively review this song 
and give it a comprehensive kind of... I don't think I've heard it enough properly in the right situation to be able to say, yeah, it's great or it's bad. On the positive side, I like the vocals and the, the sensual kind of vocal layering between him and, and Tamar in the background. And the lyrics are all right. It's the kind of song that can set a mood if you're prone to, to this type of music. But it's nothing special. Definitely nothing special. One of the weaker songs on the album, but by no means bad. So when I hear this song, I think it's an insight into the inside of Prince's universe in a way. You know, the whole incense and candles reference and some of the other things. Probably not very far from the truth. So yeah, it makes sense from that point of view. And then we move from track five straight into track six. Again, changing it up with some wicked beats, as I call them. And a song title, kind of odd from my point of view. He called it Love. Like a- the song we're reviewing now is Love. Love is whatever you want it to be. Something along those lines. Player, what do you think? Yeah, um, the thing I like about this track is the way that Prince has written the track. It's so open to interpretation because, you know, it could be about a relationship. It wasn't until I started reading the internet sites how people sort of perceive it as Prince writing about his fans. You know, stop telling me what you want to hear and, and all this. So, I never really looked at it like that until I read those things on the website. And then when you start and listen to it again, you think, well, maybe he is writing this about the fans. So, I don't know how to take it if it's a, you know, ode to the fans saying, you know, I'm going to play what I like, or if it's about a relationship, it could go either way. And I think that's what I like about Prince's music that you can, you know, there's so many layers to it that you can interpret it however you like it. You know, it's sort of, it's got like to me, it's got like an industrial type of feel, and then it changes up as it goes into the chorus and it gets a little bit more melody in the voice and all that. So overall, it's a, it's a pretty good track. Okay, Toe Jam, what do you think about Love? As the song. Yeah, the first time I heard it, this was my favorite song on the album. I was blown away the first time. But the more I heard it, the more it kind of lost something for me. It's by no means a bad track. But again, I hate sounding more negative than I probably mean to. But for me, it probably goes a minute or two long. It's got that industrial sound, like player said. But yeah, I don't know. For me, every time I hear it now, it loses its edge every time I hear it, uh, which is a shame because the first time I heard it, I thought it was the best track on the album. But now, at the stage I'm at now, it's probably only a three, three and a half maybe star track what else can i say about this that was my main point was it just goes a minute too long and you kind of because of that extra minute it kind of loses its appeal for me that's all i can say about that one it's not a bad track you wish you could have taken a minute off this and put it under black sweat yeah definitely <laughs> yeah that makes perfect sense <laughs> definitely wicked beats uh, i've got here wicked beats um don't even quite know what i mean by that some of these songs uh Lolita, Black Sweat, and now Love Included. Actually, even Incense and Candles. The beat making and the production on here sounds different. I can't nitpick it, and I don't know why, but it just sounds different. It's very thick, this song. The whole song's very thick. Yeah. Now I hear it. Yeah, it it does sound sound very full. And the chorus is catchy. I like it when he comes in with the chorus. The lyrics are decent, very open-ended, so... You know, you can kind of make of it what you will. And the, the, the synth electro background is really full and very, very polished. And all the little, you know, within all the nooks and crannies, you've got a lot of bells and whistles musically on a lot of these songs. What I do like more than, than maybe the song itself is the funky 
breaks towards the end where he's got that tight, repetitive, funky guitar just rolling towards the end of the song and it and it finishes up on that note. And uh, that's what I really like about this song. But I guess not one of the strongest of the album, but by no means no by no means a bad track. One of the best jams. I think production wise and beat wise it just really for me the impact is still there, so when I, when I listen to it even nowadays. Um, Captain, does it impact upon you? Oh, it does to to a point. I mean, it sounds a lot like current R&B music, but it's got Prince's twist on it, which makes it listenable for me. With the synth and the drums, and it's just a funky groove, this song. He's, he sounds a bit aggressive as well, which I like, because the rest of the album, it's not that's, that's not really there. In, in the lyrics and the way he sings it, it's a bit aggressive, which is good. But when I first saw the title of this song, before I'd heard the song, I thought, love, oh, it's going to be a ballad, it's going to be some rubbish. And then it turned out to be this, what it is, and I'm I had really low expectations and and it exceeded those low it expectations did. It, it did <laughs> but just at the end of this song it's got shake that shake thing that come thing, on come on which is, ju- which is just thing. like on something on planet earth he's got shake that juicy juice or whatever it is <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> come on but oh man that is the funkiest part of this track shake oh, that not- thing come on yeah, it's okay. that's awesome that is really good but no I'll, i like this track which surprises me <laughs> i think for me there's just a little bit too much going on like you've got the beat in itself there's like it sounds to me like there's sort of three or four beats going on at once and you've got this record scratch that keeps coming in and out and for me it would have been better off maybe with a few of those layers taken out. Yeah, it's not as seamless as thirty one twenty one. The track is it. Mm. Yeah. It seems a bit sort of mm. put together, cluttered. Yeah. yeah. But you were saying, Tojan, this song's long. It's the second longest track, apart from "Get on the Boat." It is. It's almost six minutes long. Yeah. It is. A, it is a long track. I think um, as well. Was this the video that there was? There's supposed to be a video for this with him on a roller skates or something. <laughs> what? Well, he does say was... something about skating, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. There were rumors at the time that he was filming a video with his roller skates, and everyone just assumed that this was the song, and it never came out. So <laughs> Been interesting to see that. Is it the one with the <laughs> wheels that have lights in them? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, you crack me up. First the ink dye. <laughs> now the roller skates. Uh, it's bringing a whole new meaning to this album for me from from that point of view. I'm that's really probably... interested about the ink dye thing. I, w- I want to know if that's it true. It makes sense though. Yeah, yeah, it does. Because, I mean, he's, he's 50. He's got to be having some grey hair, but we've never seen them. Actually, yeah, you yeah. have. There's been a picture released with the, in conjunction with the Lotus Flower album. Album that is yeah. kind of like a very different. Oh. It's very controversial that photo this week. Oh, the yeah. one that looks like he's dead. Yeah, that's that's what they're saying that he looks like a corpse. <laughs> I think that's yep, the one. The only thing about. missing from that picture is a coffin. That that photo. Yeah, that photo. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually like that photo. I reckon. So what, it, so what are you what are you saying? <laughs> no, I mean, it's very parade to me. Yeah. Just quickly getting off topic. The thing about that photo is, you know, I think a lot of people are shocked by it because the last official photos that we've seen is the Twenty One Nights book, and they're very slickly, you know, touched up and so now yeah. you're getting like a more natural photo and people are just a bit shocked by it but you know he's 50 and he looks good and it reminds me of sort of like a Miles Davis esque sort of the way he you know became so more mature and all that I think it's a yeah. great photo. Could this be the dawning of a new era who knows? Yeah yeah, uh, it's very very interesting, and there's actually another one. I don't know if we're all talking about the same photo, but I'm assuming the one that you're talking about was just a picture of a pretty much like a portrait shot. There's the one on the Lotus Flower website yeah. where he's lean, leaning up against the wall. Yeah, I was talking about a different one where it's just like a portrait shot, and you oh, the headshot. Yeah, yeah, the headshot, and you can like see like I won't say a fair amount of grey, but definitely um, receding hairline. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So I think that's very very interesting for someone who's so self conscious about their image, I guess, and protective over it. It's a bit, to me, it was a big. St- statement, even mm. just putting that photo out there and allowing it to be seen. 
I think it makes him look more normal. And like I said, I think on the back of the 21 Nights book where it's so airbrushed, you know, the more natural shot, it, you know, it's a bit of a shock to people. But I think it's pretty cool. I really want to know if he dyes his hair. <laughs> someone someone find out. <laughs> we'll we'll, I, we'll, I we'll read, update you on the next show. I read on Priscilla Presley's um, biography. And Elvis was only like mid-30s when he died, I think. He, was, he had totally white hair Gee. by the time he was 30. And he dyed it like every week. You know which what they I say, say which dead like totally Elvis. Am- you know, yeah, face down. But that just totally <laughs> amazed me because that's something I never even thought of. Yeah. You know what I they mean, say, you've got to be a prince before you become king. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I want to know if he does his hair. I want to see him turn out like Ted Danson. That'd be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Total white hair and he just doesn't care. It'd be great. That kind of right. That, maybe that's a new lyric from a new track. We don't know, but we're about to find out soon enough. Anyway, getting back to the album, at the halfway mark, or just over, we're going into now, track number seven, Slow Jam Material, Satisfied. I just want to get you satisfied. Any takers for this, or do I have to pick and choose? Pick and choose. All right, player, it's starting ah. up with you. <laughs> I know you're going, to, you're going to say something about this song. The only thing really I can say about it is on the couch part two. Yeah, and that's basically, exactly. you know, it seems like he listened to musicology and sort of took that song and thought, you know, how can I sort of, you know, redo this or twist it a bit? But it sort of comes out ending up being the same anyway. So it's just really like an extension of that. Nothing more I can say on it. Okay. Captain? Exactly the same thing. It's part two. It's, it's got the blues influence and it's also got a bit of gospel in there as well. But it's it's really like the classic 60s soul. It's got some good singing in it and it's you've got your Hammond organ. It's got some clever lyrics. But um, yeah, I'm not satisfied. And I found, I found a great quote on the internet. It says, it says, this song makes Insatiable sound like a Grammy winner for song of the year, which is excellent. Insatiable but, uh, rips all song. over this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Insatiable. I guess, I guess the person who said that didn't like Insatiable that much. Insatiable rips this because, I guess it's a better track, but it's also more overtly sexual or sensual. Whereas this is, you know, this is um, a reflection of where this particular artist is at is, is in his career and is probably in his personal life. So, very, very different songs. But um, Plus, Satisfied's only like, what, two and a half minutes or something? Yeah. And Insatiable was close to six or seven, I think. Used to go a lot longer back in the younger days. Yeah. Yeah, he's showing his age now. <laughs> he is showing his age. Yeah. Like if, um, he's maybe maybe satisfy a woman in two minutes. Well, maybe he's just maybe he's found the secret. He just gets there quicker. <laughs> less less turns and um, yeah. Anyway, moving on to Toe Jam. Uh, what do you think about this? Do you side with the guys or? Uh, pretty much, yeah. I think we're, we talked about this when we did Indigo Nights, and for me, this song didn't really do anything for me until we heard it live you know, on that in that era a couple of years later. The only slightly interesting thing about this is the bass. It's kind of an interesting bass sound he's got. Um, fuzzy. Yeah, yeah, it is fuzzy. It's kind of bouncy, fuzzy kind of bass sound, but it's nice. But yeah, other than that, yeah, completely on the couch part two. And not that that's bad, but it's kind of, well, we just heard this on the last album kind of thing. Yeah. I agree, but it's almost a given, I think. With this sort of album, how can you not put your token slow jam? It's not even a slow jam, bluesy, soulful ballad on here. How could you not? 
you know, he, he kind of had to, and, he, and it, this was probably the best of the bunch. It, it is a slow jam to some degree. It's, it's a bit of everything, really. All those styles mixed together. I initially really, really loved this track. That's going back to hearing a, an excerpt of, of it from uh, MPG Music Club. I thought it was awesome and kind of a, a slightly new direction for the man. But now, upon listening to it on this, you know, the album version and hearing it live so many times... Yeah, it's it's nothing special. It is kind of on the couch part two. But one different thing that I have to say about this is that it, and we haven't really mentioned anything about musicianship and or being a, a one man band. This is this is a your, your typical one man band track. Prince is on drums. He's on bass. He's on guitar. He's on foreground vocals. He's on background vocals. He's on synth. I think there might be a little piano in there a little bit as well. Now, obviously, he's not on the horns, but he wrote and composed this one. So. It's one of those those moments where I think to myself, although by his standards it's not the greatest slow, jammy, bluesy kind of track, this is still the work of one man in as far as how decent the song is. So just for that, I, I love listening to it more, more so for some of his drum fills in this song towards the end of it. He's got some really, really light drum fills. I like that. I like the fuzzy bass. And he finishes this track with very reminiscent of the Rainbow Children type guitar work and there's only a trinklet of it towards the end how he finishes it off and uh, I think that's really cool really really nice to listen to overall I think this is quite a good song yeah, it's a nice it's a nice novelty to say, hey, look, this is a song that Prince basically played all on his own. But standing that up against, say, the live version where it's his whole band playing it, it doesn't really compare, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it is very different. And um, you know, going from one one man band production to another, oh, we're going to get controversial now. Fury, <laughs> track number eight, Fury. There ain't no fury like a woman's And I'm going to start this off only because I, I, f- I feel the calm before the storm here. <laughs> I really feel it without you guys saying a single word. So I'm going to say all the unbelievably fantastic, just take the floor, say all the unbelievably fantastic things about this track. So here goes my rant, ladies and gentlemen. It's <laughs> awesome and it's full. It's got a fiery sound. And please don't start with that Saturday Night Live show. That is a live performance by a live band. does not compare in intensity to this song, but I don't think that's the entire point of it. So I'm not even going to go into that argument. So going back to the song, it's a one-man band performance, but it's got enough intensity to keep me interested. It's kind of a bitter, brutally honest breakup song, or you can at least take that perspective on it. Almost like he's out there to prove a point. And, you know, whenever you're out to prove a point, you play that. A little bit harder, so I really like that. Don't anger a woman. There's all sorts of messages you can get out of this one. I like the guitar. There's a lingering sense of what happened to Endorphin Machine with this track. I do think that the guitar is not high enough and punchy enough in the mix, but aside from that point, I think it's, uh, it's great playing. Plenty of awesome solos and plenty of awesome whammy bar. That's right. I did just say that. Plenty of awesome whammy by You'll get to that in a second. Um, I will. The, the drum and bass concept. I mentioned Kravitz earlier. And this drum and bass concept in this song to me is so, so similar to Are You Gonna Go My Way by our man Lenny. Just because of the timing of the drums and of the kick and of the bass. It's just perfect. It's, it's a groovy, funky rock song with a bit of aggression. And I just love it. The backing vocals are awesome. I love the tracking that he's doing on this and the layering. Okay, I would have liked a little bit more guitar, but Fury is furious. Someone take it over. Toe Jam, what do you think? 
Oh, yeah, I'm not completely disagreeing with you. It's probably second or third best track on the album. I think what spoiled this track in some ways was that we heard the Saturday Night Live version first. Yep. And let, let's be honest, that is one of the best TV performances he's ever done. Agreed. In my, opinion, Definitely. in my opinion. So when we all finally heard the studio version, it seemed a little slow. It seemed a little, the guitars were low in the mix, but that's only because we were comparing it to the, the live version we just saw. But once you start to hear this studio version a little bit more, you do appreciate it a lot more. I really like the synth. The song has got the same kind of rhythm as 1999, but it's kind of in a minor key this time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes the song for me is, is this, this synth line sort of going in in the background. And yeah, the, the lyrics are, you know, one of the better lyrics of the last few years. It's an interesting concept. Yeah, I think I also prefer um, the video version has Tamar and possibly the twins singing the background vocals. And I think that sounds better, but it's very subtle. It's a really nice rock track, and it's also got that boomy, round bass sound that Satisfied had, so the, the two tracks do kind of go together quite well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this is a great track. This is definitely definitely a four-star track, at least. Saturday, Saturday Night Live version, that, that's five stars. That's unbelievable. But That's off this planet, by yeah. the way. That's a, that deserves its own review. But again, you know, th- this is one man playing all those instruments, and for that reason, you can't fault it, really. Okay, who else wants to grab at this? Captain, what do you want to say about this whammy bar? I know you're eager to go. <laughs> I actually don't have that much to say. It's There is a fair bit of whammy bar in there, but because the guitar is a bit lower in the mix, it's not that annoying, but I can hear it. But I don't have a problem with him using whammy bar if he's using that to make a sound that he couldn't make without it. But some of the sounds on here that he does with the whammy bar, you couldn't manually manipulate them without whammy bar. So that's fine. He can do that. And this is the sort of song where I don't mind a bit of whammy bar because it's that sort of song. It's just, it's called Fury. It's meant to just, you know, go mental. And it does. Some of the guitar solos, even though they're low in the mix, they're excellent guitar solos. Yeah. But um, I've, I've got to compare it to the SNL version, and this sounds like castrated. After yeah, but the thing that. is, if we're going to do that, let's compare every single track of every single album to, to live versions. Yeah, we will. That's another podcast. We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll do that. We'll compare the studio version and the live version. <laughs> I think if we all if we all heard this version first, first we would have yeah. all been totally blown away with it. But because yeah. we all heard the live version first, it's yeah. it's it was such a, a not a letdown, but slightly underwhelming. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, for me, this goes straight back to the '80s with the funk rock pop sort of thing and it's it's a great song and it's got some mummy bar and that's okay i said it <laughs> <laughs> mr player what do you think yeah exactly fury. exactly the same as you guys there's uh co-sign all of it i agree with toe jam in the sense that definitely the live versions definitely kick every time after he plays them off the album but when you hear it in that order so like the live version first and then going to this it is a slight letdown but the, the track itself there's nothing that you can falter with it I do question about who this song's written about, um, what's inspired the actual lyrics to it. And the lyrics are really good as well. Like, you know, upon listening to it, I was sort of, you know, because in the lead up, say, from Rainbow Children to this album, you know, the, the lyrics in some of these work was starting to get a bit iffy. Pe- so Pedestrian? Yeah, but definitely pedestrian. That's what I'm looking for. So, and just the way he sort of tackled the song is, is really interesting. And, you know, I, I got really excited by it. And, you know, I've played the SNL version to non-Prince fan friends of mine and they're just blown away by it you know this is really good and 
I think the reaction from that SNL appearance is probably the reason why he threw it out as the third single. Yeah. Because it got such a good response. So I also remember hearing, I don't know, I don't know how true this is, but I think he wanted to use the Saturday Night Live version as the video, but for some reason, you know, some legal reason he couldn't. So therefore he filmed the video trying to recapture that the look of the Saturday Night Live. I don't know how true okay. that is though. That would that would kind of make sense if it's true because it Because yeah. the video is definitely a little bit disappointing. It's just him at Paisley Park, wherever he is, Paisley Park, thirty one twenty one, just It's like a song. peach. It's like a peach, similar to the peach video in a sense. Oh, peach is an excellent video. That's filmed on a camcorder. I love that video. (laughs) And I love that that song. Three guitar solos in one song. Jeez, get it. That's excellent. If you you pull out your 3121 booklet, the lyric booklet, on the front page, the very, very front where it's got the doors, and you look in there, that's where it was filmed. It's like in the lounge room. And if you look at the ceiling there... That's the same shot as the Black Sweat video. So, the Black Sweat was filmed in there as well. Oh, okay. So, it was like a stage recreated there. So, most of these videos were, except for Tiamo, it was filmed in that room, which is supposedly the house. Not anymore, but it used to be, I think, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is this place... I was going to get to this at the end. Is it like a rented place just for the parties and for guests and then he has his own separate or is this his real house? I think it's just a rented thing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, didn't he get sued or something by the original owner? For- yes. It was an NBA player, NBA baller, Carlos Boozer or something I think his name was. <laughs> and yeah, he Prince moved in and he decorated it the way he liked and he had no idea. So, when he went he, back there and saw it. He left, he left, he left the basketball court in there though. <laughs> He's got the, the balls pa- to sue Prince. <laughs> but moving on. Yeah. God damn. Fury's so good. It's yeah. just an awesome, awesome song. Awesome song. And uh, finishing up on that, I've always sometimes got a final thought to say, but one day I'll hear this live. It would just be great to hear. And how good would it be to hear this live with Michael B and Sonny T? Oh, yeah. Imagine if they come out open with Endorphin Machine and, uh-huh. then, go, and then go straight into Fury. I hope this is the sort of material we're going to get on the Lotus Flower Project. Yeah. In this sort of vein. Could be very, very, very interesting. Sure. But um, moving right along to track number nine, The Word. I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what you heard. Get up, come on, let's do something. Don't you want to know the word? Again, quite different. I'm going to stop saying this now because I think it's a given that every track just changes up from one to another. I'll hit this one very, very briefly because I love this track and I've got little to say about it, so I'll let you guys take the floor. It's cool. I like the acoustic guitar. Uh, actually, love the acoustic guitar. Very simple, but I love how upfront in the mix it is. And it's um, it's kind of minimalistic, but industrial at the same time. The the atmospheric keyboards that kind of fade in and, and then cross over and then fade out, I really, really like. They, they sort of stay in the background as well. The electrical ambience and the beat itself is cool. The horn, which I don't know, someone might get to reveal whether that's a sample. Is it a fake horn? Is it a is it an you know an original? It's a fake horn. Play it sounds part. like it's played off a keyboard. It, yeah, yeah, I think it is. It, it does sound it does sound fake to me, but I but just don't, nice. I, I would like to know exactly what it is. I think it's yeah. just a sample that's then been replayed on a keyboard, and it's it's kind of the same sound that I think Eminem and a few of the other rappers were using at the time. All right. Yeah. yeah, so it's nice that Prince kind of used it in a different way. Yeah, and then and then the the lyrics are quite poignant to me, although you know they don't ring too much of a bell with me. I kind of see where he's going, and wow to the guitar again, short but sweet, and it's it's an original Prince guitar solo. 
you know, 28 or whatever, how many ever years it is into his career, he's just released a studio album and he does this, you know, on this album and on a couple of albums on tracks on musicology, I should say, where the guitar soloing is original and it's unique, at least to my ears. It doesn't sound like the same type of stuff that he has played time and time again. So big, big, big props to the originality of the guitar solo. And I wonder what he's playing that on as well. I'll take a stab and say it's, it's the cloud. Maybe someone will... um confirm that for me but awesome track what do you think about this captain well i don't have a lot to say i like this song it's again it's like a couple of songs on this album i could totally skip them i could not even be listening to them but listening to them you know they're on but i'm not specifically listening to it but they just get in my head incense and candles is one and this is another one i mean i don't know what he's going on about it's something about his spiritual beliefs and i don't know i don't listen to lyrics that much the thing i did notice was the drum loop from brand new orleans is in the chorus of this song it's exactly the same you know, the SST brand, you know, that song? Yeah, yeah. Hur- Hurricane thing he did. It's exactly the same drum loop that's in the chorus of this. Uh, I just thought that was a bit interesting. Oh, I no, noticed that. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah go listen that. to him. You'll hear it. But no, I like this song. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jam, what do you think about the word? Yeah, um, it's a very unique Prince track. It kind of reminds me of songs like Dorothy Parker, not so much in the music, but it just sounds like only Prince could write this song. It sounds like it was written in a dream or something like that. It's very kind of ethereal. It's a really interesting and nice song. I, I totally agree with you about those keyboards just sort of fading in and fading out of the background, kind of like these you know soft waves of sounds kind of thing. Mm. Lyrics, let's face it, he's basically talking about the Bible kind of thing, but I've come to accept that, that that's what Prince sings about now these days. But, you know, they're not overtly in your face. You could just be talking about being good to everybody kind of thing or love kind of thing. Yeah, and the guitar solo is a great solo. It's it's very Santana, but in a, in a good way and not completely derivative. It definitely yeah. has the Prince sound to it. And it actually kind of reminds me, I think the Planet Earth solo was slightly based on this. It's a similar kind of solo. Yeah, the beat is very unique as well. It kind of has those, you know, the Latin kind of subdued, you know, bongos and whatever in the background. Mm. Yeah, it's just one of those songs that it just sounds like only Prince could write the song. It sounds like it came from a dream or something. So it's a really interesting song, I think. Yeah. I'll just I'll just say I like the vocal, the melody of the vocal in the verses. I really like that. Yeah, it's just good. Yeah. And it's something I don't think he's done before. I mean, it's such an obvious melody to do, but he, yeah, I don't think he's done it before. Yeah, it is. It is quite original. And, and unique for him for his releases. Oh, this song. This could have been on the truth. Oh like, yeah, okay. With the with the weird horn sound, which was on the truth in like Man in Uniform and another couple of songs on there. It's a, and it's a, it's sort of an acoustic song. You got your guitar and stuff anyway. Okay, so uh, what does player think about the word? What is the truth on the word? Uh, I love the word. I think it's a cross between Seven, reminds me of Seven, and the Maite track, however much you want. And that's solely before the acoustic guitar and the Middle Eastern vibe on the beats. Love the, what you said, MC, the acoustic being more upfront in the mix. And the vocal, how it's sort of like the keyboards, it fades in and out and crosses between left and right in the channel. I'm not a big fan of that preset. It sounds like a preset sound, that sax, that little sax thing on the lead line. I love the guitaring, uh, guitar solo right at the end, the soaring solo. And I love the beat at the end as well, how sort of just all the mix or everything comes out and it's just the beat. And you've got to play this song loud. You know, it's like one of those tracks that you play in your car. And yeah, I, I do pick up on the, the sort of Jehovah message in it, but you know, it's not overly in your face, but it's a fantastic track. Love it. 
Yeah. It's yeah, definitely it's, a headphone song, this one. Yeah. Yeah, it took the words right out of, mouth, out of my mouth. Sorry, I was about to say exactly the same thing. It's Me one too. of those things, essential headphone tracks. Yeah. There's another podcast. See? It's just coming up with them as we go. Yeah. Essential headphone songs. And, and um, there are some really great essential songs. This one goes straight into that bucket. Just finishing off on this, another interesting thing that I find with this particular track is the drum programming because at least three-fifths of, of, of the effectiveness of the drums in this uh, are in the um, in the bass. I guess in the, traditionally you'd call it the kick drum, but it kind of reverbs and, and vibrates more so than some of the other stuff. It's very R&B-ish, but it kind of fits in nicely. And that's what makes this track very interesting. So it's kind of a kaleidoscope of, you know, you've got the acoustic guitar, you've got this, the synths, you've got a sample, you've got some really cool vocal layering and singing over the top of it. And then this kind of Middle Eastern feel in some areas. Yeah, and then, and then you've got this electronic kind of R&B kick drum kind of soundscape. So it makes it very interesting. It, now we uh, steamrolling along into the next track, track number ten, beautiful, loved, and blessed. which I believe was co-written with Tamar, supposedly. I'm not sure whether that's only just the lyrics or whether she had some part to play in the uh, composition of the music and the beats, etc. I'll take this to Toe Jam to start off. What do you think about Beautiful, Loved and Blessed, track 10? Uh, man, it's it's okay, it's okay. It's It's a relatively nice melody. I don't really like the production on this. It sounds very almost demo-ish for me compared to the rest of the album, which is very full and thick. I think it would have been better off just left on the Tamar album and not... I think it was only put on this album as an advert to get the Tamar album, yeah. which is a bit and of a shame. And we've all got it, haven't we? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. I never really wanted it. I never even wanted that album. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of an... It's, I don't know, it's kind of plain, this song, like... The melody is interesting, but other than that, there's nothing really to it. Uh, it's got a nice little breakdown towards the end, but even that, it kind of just sounds a bit dull and plastic. To me, it sounds truncated. That's the first thing that comes. It's just it's a truncated breakdown. I think what, breakdown. what kills it for me is just the, the drum programming. It just sounds like he's just grabbed the first sound he thought, and, yep, that'll do. There's our drum beat. Yeah, it's just the whole thing's a little bit plain, but it's it's not bad. It's not bad. Just plain. Next. Just a girl like that. Uh, player. What do you think about this track? I'm a, I'm a big fan of, not this track, but just R&B in general. And if you put it up against like a regular like R&B sort of stuff, it fits in that mold. But on this album, it's, you know, it's sort of like a low point. And I agree with Toe Jam. It's, I think it's just purely in there to do as a crossover promotion for the Tamar album, which I think was called Beautiful, Loved and Blessed originally. And then it got changed to Milk and Honey or something. Yeah, it's there's nothing really special about it. And I think, you know, I'm trying to work out why, you know, if Prince was trying to get back into putting out associated artists again, the way I feel about it is 
how at the Grammys the year or so before that, how he hooked up with Beyonce and Tamar was in the original Destiny's Child group when they were a lot younger, before, way before when Wyclef discovered him and done the No, No, No track and all that. So she was the original, like in the original group. And I was, you know, I sort of get the impression that Prince was trying to be like a Wyclef and trying to say you know take tamar and and sort of twist it around and go well you know beyonce's big i want to try and make this girl as big as beyonce and that's just the way i feel about it you know and i think he was trying to push that but obviously there was something in the background with universal that fell through and you know nothing really got promoted and eventually the whole project seemed to have been scrapped and then prince dropped her and sort of lost interest with it but with this track there's nothing really outstanding that would make me go wow because of this song i've got to go and buy her album so yeah very sort of bland r&b for me okay captain what do you think is it bland well it's r&b so it must be bland <laughs> in your world yeah, I, I mean, Tamar, if you're going to pick someone as a protege, you're going to make a, an album, get someone who's got some sort of distinctive thing about them. She's just so plain. There's nothing about her voice that's better than anyone else. It's just really average voice. She's a good singer, but it's it's not rosy. It's it's not anything distinctive about her voice. Hmm. I think um, she's a some sort of connection to Mr. Hayes. Uh-huh. They grew up in the same area or they're a relative or something. And I think she originally went to Paisley Park in about 94 or so. And she was very young. And I think Prince didn't take her on because she was too young. So I think the, the Mr. Hayes connection is there. And I think just the fact that, you know, she was sort of tied to the original Destiny's Child that sort of Prince has sort of brought her on. But yeah, like you've said, there's nothing really something special about her. She does have a good voice. Although on the SNL appearance when she done this song on that, I thought she belted out the song too early. Like instead of like starting the the vocal very low and then building it up and then slamming it home, she built it up right at the start and she sort of lost breath and towards the end of it. So, But I think that's yeah. the song as well. The song doesn't really go anywhere. Like that's it right. has it has a nice catchy chorus but that, that's it. it doesn't really go anywhere and it just sort of meanders along and then <laughs> dies if you're listening big shout outs to uh, Tamar Davis yeah. and uh, Morris Hayes right now you guys are awesome oh, um, Mr. Hayes excellent <laughs> I like. I, I don't mind Tamar's voice, but when you when you look at you know some of the singers he's had recently, like Shelby and um, Marva King back, I think of the three of them, she's definitely the the last pick in my opinion. Well, maybe that's why the album's sitting in the vault. Oh man, you know what I think? I think there were just there's too many excuses on this song. <laughs> the last ten minutes or so has just been talking I mean, about. It's, you a, know. it's a nice little sing along. It's like bouncy, but it just. Yeah, it's nothing great. Yeah. If you guys don't mind, can I just finish this one off? Yep. Very average. It's an okay beat. Funky outro, kind of. I'm saying funky because it's Prince, but it's nothing special or excellent. As funky as this song gets. The best, yeah, this is pedestrian. This is this is one of those tracks when, if I look at the entire body of work by Prince Rogers Nelson, this has to be, for me, in the bottom 10 all-time commercially released Prince tracks. That's that's how I feel about it. That It's that pedestrian. There's nothing, absolutely nothing bad or terrible about this song, but it's just so average in an album that, to me, is is far above average that it doesn't belong here. Shouldn't have never been placed on here. I don't know what it's doing here. Get it off of here. You Is know it what better it is? Than CC Blue. <laughs> it's um advertising uh, space. <laughs> you know what? Uh, after the word, uh, first of all, I love this album. 
after the word, the, the, the first feeling and emotion that I get when I hear that, wake up, and the, and, and the kind of the acoustic drum that turns into an electric drum, I, I just sigh. And I, and, and I, and I say to, to sleep. myself, Go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a proverbial, oh, shit, he's done it again. <laughs> this was going all, so well, but you couldn't resist, could you, Princey? You had pretty to put one of these on yes. here. Pretty advertising space. It just, um, I hope I can say this on uh, live podcasting, but it just pisses me off. I'm, <laughs> I'm starting to get a little bit upset now, but it's just a load of bullshit because there's nothing, there's nothing good about, there's, there's nothing great about the song, and there's nothing terrible about the song. So if there's nothing great and nothing terrible, why put it on? If it's an average track, leave it off the album. But uh, I don't want to be too harsh. You know what it is? So it's the Tevin Campbell round and round of the 31 album. Hey, I like that song. Uh, and I'll, but, I'm, but we're, we're honestly, go how is that quiet. different to this song? It's the same. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it, it's a good it's, song I'll tell what you, it is. I'll tell you how that's different. It's different because it's it's on an album that is far... That's full of... Far, that yeah, of that's full of that kind of crap. And it's full of full of songs that aren't connected one way or another. And not to say that this is a seamless album, but it was just going places. It was just starting to to get into that final gear and just blow me away. And this, this is like a huge roadblock. And it... Oh, Damn, it's frustrating. Track can number you eleven get past is the that roadblock. Track, yeah, I, I can. It's called skip. Yeah, <laughs> I just press the skip button and I go straight to track eleven, which is the dance. Let's not talk about that anymore. Who wants to take this one on? But before we go into that, let me just quickly say that this track was released previously on the MPG Music Club as yes. a instrumental first initial release. Well, no, no, no. It was it had it was, it was it had oh, but it was but it was different music, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, correct. But it's I believe that there is an instrumental version of the initial release of that song. But I'm referring to the actual initial release that was released on the Music Club somewhere uh-huh. around 04, I think maybe a little bit earlier than that, which is quite different to this. Uh, actually, very, very different to this. This song is a remake of a previously released song, and let's get everyone's thoughts on maybe a comparison between the two if it interests you, or just talk about the track as it appears on 3121. Mr. Player. Uh, I'll review it as the track that appears on 3121. Okay. I think it's interesting that he decided to rework a track that was sort of already out there, because he doesn't normally do that. So I think it was interesting that he chose to do that. You know, it's not really a song that I can get get into as such I think maybe it could do with the video so that I can visualize it a bit more because I, I don't know where he's sort of going with it but all in all it's it's a good track there's some good elements in it again Renato pops up and does his um, speed ah, well, keyboard that's itself. Prince actually that's Prince, Prince sir. there was oh, a really? big um, there was a big thread on Housequake recently about that track and someone actually got onto Renato and Renato said no it's Prince doing it so there you go well that's pretty impressive I don't know maybe I didn't know he could do runs that fast. It sounds, um, I don't know, maybe he's sped it up in the mix or something. I don't know. But yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I looked at, yeah, just looking at the booklet now. I'm looking at the booklet, all the instruments and vocals prints. Yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah I'm surely you wouldn't have had to speed it up. <laughs> but I've never, I've never really heard him. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, you might have just fluked it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But um, yeah, it's probably 734th take. <laughs> he leaves all the mistakes in. That's what it was. <laughs> I don't. know. I can hand this over to you guys. That's all I can say about it. Really, there's nothing that really blows my mind about this track, but. Maybe it does for you guys. 
Uh, Captain, what does it do for you? Do you dance oh, when you hear it? I don't dance, but that's got nothing to do with this song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind this song. I think I like the original better than this one. But this this one, it's like a slow, groovy ballad, and it's it's got the falsetto at the end, and it's got the Latin feel as well. But, yeah, I don't know. This, yeah, like Player said, it doesn't really do anything. It does build up at the end, but... Uh, the scream at the end. The it's scream. got some good screams at the end. Yeah. Baby, it's baby, of, baby, it's not fair, it's not fair. Yeah, it's sort of rem- reminiscent of the beautiful ones or something when yeah. it gets to that part, yeah. But, um, yeah, apart from, you know, the last minute of the song, it's pretty... I just forget it, it's even on. Oh, man. It's, it's pretty atmospheric when it starts off with the piano and the strings in the back, but, yeah, I, I could skip this song. I disagree with you guys wholeheartedly. Me too. Oh, man, the amount of work that has obviously been put into this track, it's just everywhere, around every single corner for me. I don't i don't know how you guys could... could um, yeah, it's just way, way, way far from what I, my feelings about this particular track for the reasons enclosed. First of all, now, I'm not sure about time signature, but there's definitely a tango or a tango-esque groove happening. Now, not only is that a first, but I think it gives this particular version of the song, and uh, what I think is the definitive version of this track, its major appeal. From the very get-go, I'm thinking to myself, well, all right, we're heading into a new direction here. And it's not a new direction for new direction's sake, oh, I like this song because it's Prince doing something different. I actually think this song would stand up outside of the realm of Prince music, but I think he's probably the one to do it best. It's a, it's a new kind of atmosphere that he brings to the table with it. Uh, I like the atmospheric background. Uh, I like the drums, but they're not... They don't sound real to me. They're, they're obviously electronic drums or, or sample drums even, I'd have to say. Fake synth- drums. Synth- <laughs> synthetic sounding, but, but they sound alright. They sound better than alright, actually. It's quite orchestral sounding, the drums. That's what I was looking for. Top-notch vocal. I think it's an excellent vocal performance, yeah. and there are so many different phases t- to his vocal delivery in this song, and he's really saying something. It's a kind of swaying to-and-fro love song, in inverted commas. Love the piano on top. Absolutely love it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I-, I knew that this was Prince only from looking at the credits and thought, yeah, that, that this does sound kind of kind of cool. And there's that... My favourite bit in this song is when he says something along the lines of, I can't get you off my mind. And right then, my favourite piano delivery kind of kicks in and it really takes the song from slightly above average into greatness for me. So, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of this track. There's probably more to say about this song and if, if, you know, if we reviewed this track each week for the rest of the year, I'd probably find new things about it. And uh, I think that's part of its appeal. And I think it's passionate. It's not a, a, a turn-off by any means, and it's not Prince being artificial. I think the comparisons to, to beautiful ones are there, not so much in the overall impact of the song, but more so behind the meaning of it, and the fact that he's really, he believes in what he's singing about. But I, I'll close off by saying that it, it does meander towards the end, and that's kind of what led, lets me down. If it was maybe a minute less, I'd give it a easily a, a four and a half or five stars, so that's how much I like this track. But it meanders, and it, and it lets me down. So, um, hand it over to Toe Jam, what do you think? I ag- agree with you. I think this song is brilliant. I think it's it's so dark. It's just uh, everything about this song I like. Oh, well, there's a few things I'll get to that. But generally speaking, it's a really dark kind of Prince song. And the lyrics are very interesting. You know, as you said, this kind of, do you love me, I don't want to love you kind of thing. It's just very interesting. 
for me, I, I love the piano solo, obviously, but I love the way the hand claps come in at the end, that cha-cha-cha sort of thing, really just accenting that tango sort of feel. But yeah, there's a bit of auto-tune in there, but I think it, it adds to that kind of mysterious sound to the whole the whole thing. I think it, it's a, definitely a lot better than the, the ver- MPG Music Club version. That sounded like a demo. This sounded like the finished track. The only thing I will say is that I think it would have been better with uh, like a real string section. Maybe you should have got Claire Fisher to just do that. Oh, that would have taken it into the stratosphere. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But I totally agree. I, and I don't, I actually disagree with you about the length. I think the length is perfect. It just builds and builds and becomes darker and darker and thicker and thicker. And then at the end, you get this big scream at the end. It's like the big climax to the song. And yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's definitely this 3121 and Fury are probably the, the top three for me. Okay. All right. So a bit of s- split difference of opinion on that one. Yeah, it's um marvelous, marvelous song. For anyone listening, definitely um, check out this album as you can hear. It's just some absolute beauties on this one. So, and, and finishing up with track number 12, which we'll all discuss now. It's called Get On The Boat. Get on the boat. Get on the boat, people. Get on the boat now. We got a room for a hundred more. Uh, I think we're all on the boat, most of us, at least for, for, for most for the most part, on this album. Uh, let's get everyone's thoughts on what they think of this final closing funky jam of a track called Get On The Boat, starting with Player. Definitely agree with you. Definitely funky track. The thing I really like about this track, it's, it's I feel it's really organic because it's usually using mainly um, acoustic instruments. So he's got like acoustic guitar, he's got the horns, you know, Sheila E's in there doing all the percussion. It's nice how it's another different sort of layer to the whole album, how he's got, you know, something so electronic as Black Sweat and then this on the other end of the spectrum, two funky songs, but just totally different. So it shows the diversity and it's a good way to sort of end the whole album. It's very good. All right, what do you think, Tajem? Uh, yeah, definitely very organic. The song is made by the bass and drums. That that's just wicked. <laughs> Again, it's clearly talking about getting on the Jehovah boat, but you know, because he doesn't say that specifically, you can take it any way you want. Just get on the boat, you know. Come on, just have a party kind of thing. Let's have a fish. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it, you know the two Maceo. I think it's two solos. Two Maceo solos in there, which are nice. Sheila E again. Uh, it's it's a nice band performance. It again, it has that sort of Latin feel, which is kind of you know ingrained within the album in bits bits and places, and it's a nice way to finish. So, all right, uh, Captain, what are your thoughts on this? I like this song. It's a funky song. <laughs> it's celebratory, and it's it's a good song to end the album on. Actually, shows this band isn't too bad. I'm pretty harsh on this latest band. Well, he's starting a new one up now, but the one that was on this album. This song, it's really slick and funky, and it shows that they're a decent band when they get going. And Maceo is always good. But um, it's really similar to Musicology, the track, and you got the big band behind it. And it's, um, yeah, it's a good way to end the album. It's sort of, Maceo's got his solos, and Prince is doing a bit of James Brown, I think. Reminds me of Pretty Man a bit too. Yeah. Somehow. Reminds me of Pretty Man as well. Yeah. And uh, this song makes me forget about the last three tracks that came before it, which is a good thing. Yeah. That's all. (laughs) All right. Oh, man. I think Get on the Boat is slamming. It is. I'm a big fan of this album in general, and I'm a big fan of this song. I think it's. uh, Whenever I hear the words James Brown influence, James Brown impression, all that kind of stuff, I don't actually see it on this song. I don't hear it, I don't feel it. Watch me now! <laughs> <laughs> I can, um, except for that! 
or whatever at the beginning. But no, I, I just don't see it. I don't think it's a, it's a it's an homage track. It's not. It's an original song. There's a Latin influence. It's funky as as hell. And Prince really makes this his own song. There's none of that. So I'll leave JB alone. It's kind of similar to, I mean, now we can say this because we've heard Planet Earth, to Chelsea Rogers in a sense. Well, first of all, it's obviously the same band playing the bass and drums, so there's that element, and that's probably what makes it sound familiar. But, oh, Josh on the bass, unbelievable. It's it's just the, the best, you can't get any better with regards to, not necessarily the playing, but, but just the feel. Uh, of that particular bass line and I would love I'd love to know who came up with that mm. I, I would love to know who, who came up with that particular bass line it's kind of infused with all these vibrant musical variations um, aside from the funky drumming in the bass the, there's all these bells and whistles uh, Maceo is in fine fine form and whether he has one or two solos it sounds like he's had about 12 by the end of this track because he just goes off he's off his face on this song <laughs> Sheila E is on fire Maceo is on fire. The guitar and the keys are on fire, but they're subtle, but they're still on fire to me. So um, the key keyboard playing or piano playing is... Now, I don't want to get this one wrong, but I believe it's all prints. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain it's so, all prints. Get your booklets out. Yeah. No, I, I am. I, I don't even have to. It's just... Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's all prints on the keys. And again, great playing, uh, especially towards the end. Some nice... Um, some nice playing from him and, and there's like a crescendo-y kind of chorus and that's on fire as well uh, Get On Boat is on fire you know but y- you can get on the boat this is this is my kind of feel on it you can get on this boat but you better be funky with an F-O-N-K-Y exclamation mark I love listening to this song it's just awesome the live sound and let's not forget that horn line as well that's such a catchy horn line yeah and, and oh this you just you, you, you prompted me here <laughs> the other thing that I love about the horn line is I can't believe I didn't mention this before. Not only the horn line, but how upfront it is in the mix. Mm, it's yeah. really far above most. Aside from the bass and drum, uh, and almost on equal footing, the the horns and the horn lines are are, are really the stars of this show. That the dun, 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 is ridiculous, and it's, it's mean, such a simple horn line. You think, no, no, surely someone's come up with that before. Yet I haven't, yeah. I haven't been able to think of a song that has that horn line. So yeah, they haven't. I mean, it's it's kind of Tower of Powerish mm. to me. Mm. In, in but but again, I've I listened to, to their stuff, and I've never heard anything like that. At least not in that. Yeah, it's kind of Tower of Parrots and a bit of Earth, Wind, and Fire as well. But but they haven't done it exactly like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just so clear. It's just cl- crystally clear. I love the way it's mixed. That's what I'm trying to say. It's just awesome. Great, great song. Great song to finish. And great live as well. Don't forget great, the last great. 20 seconds with the weird drumming and the stupid sounds. Can't forget it. Yeah, that's that's kind of quirky. And it just closes off the album for me on a huge high, and I want to hear more. It's just not something that I could have said about Planet Earth. It's not something I can say about musicology, but it is something that I can say about 3121. And, you know, let's throw it out to the roundtable again and, and kind of talk about um, some quick thoughts about summarized feelings about 3121. And I'll start off by saying that this is my favorite album of the three without a question. I don't even have to think twice. Musicology was throwback, not pedestrian, but he was kind of, he was walking it. You know, this is me. I can, I'm still better than 90% of you punks out there, but this is just me putting it out there, whatever, you know. And a part of a grand scheme, I think, of for Prince's revival into, into popular music, at least from the very public point of view. And this came on the back of that and said, check this out. 
okay, now, now that you're a little bit more interested in me again, this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the songs like 3121, Never Done That Before, Black Sweat, you know, teach some of these young dudes how to do it, Love and Satisfied, which I actually like, and then Furiously Fury. I mean, the word, Get On The Boat, the dance, classic balladry. Some of these songs defy definition. So... It's just awesome. I don't know what else to say about this album. I um, wrote up a, a review somewhere on some forum or some board maybe a month or two after this album came out, and I still stick by my opinion that this, as a cohesive album, as a cohesive whole, and as something that I is on constant rotation and I really enjoy listening to, is his greatest album since The Gold Experience for me, and before that was Sign of the Times. So in my top five or six all-time prints commercially available studio releases easily <laughs> i like the commercially available part in that <laughs> yeah yeah officially so, released yes because that's what i'm interested in <laughs> what i can pick up at my local record store record store so uh let's throw it out there just some you know summarized thoughts on 3121 the album tojan what do you think yeah i think last week i said that i thought planet of earth was better <laughs> I mean, listening to this album again, I, I just can't believe I said that, because this album yeah. smokes that album completely. <laughs> yes. I'm glad you came to your senses, sir. Yeah, I, I used to say that Planet Earth had more top-rate tracks, whereas this one had more consistent tracks, but I think, again, I'm completely wrong on that. This has more top-rate tracks, and it's a lot more consistent all the way through. Yeah, it's definitely his best album since at least The Rainbow Children, probably maybe even a little bit further back than that as well. Better than Rave? <laughs> uh, we'll get to Rave, because i got a story about Rave, so we'll get to that one. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? It's, it's, it's just a slamming album, a slamming album completely. <laughs> and, um, you know, for anyone new that wants to get into Prince and, and is looking at the new material, this, this is the one to go for first. Get this one first, then check yeah. out Musicology and Planet Earth and, you know, see what you like from that. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, you know, easily a four-star album, easily, if not higher. Out of five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I sort of like um, see it as kind of like, okay, uh, if you align musicology with Purple Rain from the point of view of, you know, I I'm back, this is my big album after being in the co commercial wilderness. Mm. And then this is kind of like the, to me, like the uh, Around the World in a Day or Parade, because it's a little bit more wicked, a little bit more quirky. Uh, and now we're just waiting for that Sign of the Times remake, which I hope Lotus Flower will be. I think this one is probably more the Sign of the Times because it's it's definitely a lot more funky and it's it's you know a very eclectic sort of sound. So this this to me is probably the sign of sign of the times of of the this of this decade. Yeah, oh, I don't. I don't know. It, it is very solid. Okay, Lotus Flower we... comes out before I say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, yeah, it can it can very easily become a sign of the times, I guess. Player, um, I would rate this as. In the 2000 era, my second favorite behind Rainbow Children, but this one's a lot more accessible if you were comparing the two. It's definitely, like Toe James said, very cohesive effort. In, in the trilogy sort of aspect of it, it is definitely the favorite out of the three. I was sort of thinking about this during the week. I think the last track on each of these albums, so I'm talking Reflection, Get on the Boat, and resolution when you listen to an album and you listen to the last track that's sort of what sticks with you so you give the impression of the whole album by the way it finishes so resolution does not do it at all and that sort of lets the whole planet earth project down the one on musicology is you know a nice track but it sort of ends on a whimper again so the bangingness of the get on the boat you know definitely gives the whole vibe like closing it out on a, on a big party and a big bang 
very interesting, the concept of the whole album, you know, revolving it around the house or supposedly, you know, there's other um, theories out there that it's based on Bible verses. I think Psalms 3121 says, Blessed be Jehovah, for he has rendered wonderful loving kindness to me in a city under stress. So I don't know if that is obviously there's Jehovah. I can see why he quoted the numbers as the album title instead of that particular passage. Yeah. The, the thing that annoys me about this era was I felt that after the musicology tour where he's sort of reconnecting with the audience, this sort of like the music was, you know, very good, but in him in terms of promoting it and stuff, I thought there was like a bit of a barrier there between us and him because you know, he'd throw these ex- exclusive parties and, you know, you'd only hear about them on websites and, you know, there was no footage released, there was really nothing. And all the only people that sort of got him were celebrities. So, you know, I thought there was, he was sort of building a barrier there and, you know, he was kind of like teasing us, like, don't you want to come to 3121? And then, you know, there's really no way of getting there. <laughs> um, it's still it's, kind of like that as well. Yeah, I mean, like, since this album till now, he's still doing these exclusive parties and things which I mean fair enough throw those parties and have that but like I'm sure he was doing these sort of parties back in the 80s or whatever but you never heard of them you know and I don't know if it's sort of selling out or whatever but you know I kind of don't like the way they promote these things kind of like hey this banging party was happening and you weren't there and this is what happened sort of thing so um, the other thing was the way on the disc it says 3121 the music so it sort of hinted that there was going to be a DVD or a movie of some sort Mm -hmm. so I was looking forward to that and when that didn't eventuate you know but it seems like in Lotus Flower they're gonna revive that sort of thing so maybe that's what's coming but just a little bit too late and the other interesting thing that he done with this project was the purple ticket offer how he was doing a bit of a Willy Wonka thing which I think he only done one time before he had in Graffiti Bridge there was a gold leaf promotion where he put a gold leaf into certain booklets. And if you found it, you got a trip to Paisley Park and got a tour of the studios. So, um, I think in Australia, there was, you had to embarrass yourself on Rove or something to yeah. get to the thirty-one twenty-one party. And yeah, I mean, like I really wanted to actually, you know, take part and go to his house and all that. But I think to get actually on the show, you had to, you know, say, you know, why you really wanted to go to Prince's house and, you know, people coming up with some crazy things to get on there. Um, and I think the three that got on there, I think the guy got a bit pissed in the green room before he went on. So, he wasn't <laughs> concentrating and I think he lost. And one of the other girls was Charlotte and she was a writer on the Australian fan magazine, Seven. If you guys remember Seven magazine from the 90s. Yep. yep. Yeah, and she deserved to get it. And- yeah, she deserved to get it. Um, and the girl that won was, I think, a friend of hers. I think her name was Tracy and I think she went. So, I'm friends with Charlotte on Facebook So I, and she's friends with Tracy so I wonder if we should maybe get on the show and find out what happened at the party but um, I think that'd be interesting to hear what what happened there Um, but yeah I think the other thing that was from this era was the introduction of the twins but I mean concentrating on just the album itself it is a very very good album Um, very good to revisit and definitely one of the classics of this era and that's about it all right Captain, what are your final conclusions on 3121? It's a good album. Did you just say that? 
<laughs> I did. What do you mean by good? No, no, no. That's all right. It's just, it's just an <laughs> Take album. Take the floor, Captain. <laughs> no, no. It's not just an album. It, it is an album as opposed to, I think, Musicology and Planet Earth. They're not that focused. They're a bunch of songs that he's got around. But this, even though the songs on this are really varied, they sound like it's an album. They're meant to be there. And even though there's a, there's not really any, I wouldn't call them weak songs. There's some that are not as good as others, but it'll fit on this album. It's it's a consistent album, I think. And I would say with Player was saying about he'd have those parties and then, you know, some woman would be posting on MPG Music Club about, oh, I went to this party and, and no one, none of you guys did and I'm going to tell you all about it. I didn't see any point in that at all. I hate that. I, I didn't hate understand that. what, what that like was that. about. I don't understand. It has to be coming through his channels. I've heard that like, of course it was. I've heard that it's actually Prince that writes them. Again, again, I don't know how true this is, but I've heard from various sources that it's actually Prince who writes them via wouldn't surprise me at all. Brown person. It wouldn't surprise me, but how how sad would that be? Well, we know he, we know he's sad. I don't think he writes them per se, but I think he feeds the information and I think he tells whoever writes them what he wants included in their report. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I just didn't understand why that, that ever happened, but it did. Like, I, I don't have a problem with him having parties with his rich mates or Hollywood starlets or whatever. That's fine. But, you know. You know Invite me. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you, you know, there's no point talking about it. I think the only party of all these 3121 parties that really made news, like, you know, on gossip sites or like in the main domain, like TMZ.com or whatever, was that one of those parties was where Justin Timberlake and Cameron Diaz had a massive fight and broke up at his party. <laughs> but apart from that, even though there were celebrities at these parties, they sort of, you know, they didn't really make mainstream news. So I don't, you know, why... They it's get really promoted. Pointless. Yeah. I, this is my thoughts. I understand that if you're about to release an album or a project or you're starting up something new, it can generate some hype. I can see that point. But the thing is that these reports have been coming in consistently since 2005, early 2005 from memory. And that's kind of, I agree with what everyone's just said. It's just, cannot for the life of me figure out, it's, it's borderline, not cruel, <laughs> but, yes, it is. It's but it's it's kind of everything has a reason, right? Well, what's the reason behind that? <laughs> I, I can't find one. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. It's just strange. But uh, I mean, this thirty one twenty one album, I guess, just to separate from um, you know from from all the ex- external and extraneous factors. That's it. It's there. It's it's there for all time. Just like all of his other albums. I for one am. I, I feel extremely happy to have this in my possession and that something like this was released because for a while there I thought, you know, is Prince capable of releasing an album that will consistently in this new era entertain me, maybe shock me and keep me kind of, you know, I- I interested to, to revisit the music. And, and I guess what I'm trying to say is will the music stand up? And I think more so than anything he's released since, I guess musically since the Rainbow Children, but anything onwards, this, this stands up by far more than anything else. And it's it's a it's a highly uh, highly successful release. So, there it is. What are we going to tackle next? Psychology. 